0: Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for this opportunity of your word. I thank you so much that you are just an amazing father to us, Father. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name as, as uh, I, I give word, Father God, that first of all, that my opinions, my ideas, and what I think, Father God, pushed to the side. Lord, Holy Spirit, control and use my words. My lips are yours. May the words that come out of my mouth, may it be impacting, penetrating all our hearts to the core. Shake us. Holy Spirit, teach us, show us, and continue to allow us to experience your love in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all shout out. Amen and amen. And we're going to go ahead and just start right into it. We're going to the book of John, okay, chapter 4. Now, when you look at the book of John, chapter 4, before I read it, I want to set it up. Uh, Jesus is uh, uh, with his disciples. And actually, I'll go ahead and just get into it. On verse 27, uh, it says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want or what are you talking with her about? So Jesus here, I'll, stop, I'll pause for a second. Jesus is here. He's, he's teaching everybody. And for some reason, he's separated from his 12 disciples. Okay. And the scripture says that he gets tired and, and he sits on a well. And this, not a, not a well, like a big old thing that's swimming. He doesn't sit on that. Like, am I saying it right? A well, like where you draw water out. And this woman comes up, a Samaritan woman, by the way. And understand culture at that time, Samaritans and Jews, they just didn't talk. Jesus being a Jew, her being a Samaritan, Jesus asks her for a drink of water. Hey, can I have a drink of water? And the first thing she says is, why why are you talking to me? (laughs) I'm a Samaritan. And so Jesus opens up this door where Jesus gets to explain, you know, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water. And he's talking about eternal life now, not nothing in the temporal. When, when you drink from me, you will thirst no more, Jesus says to this woman. And she's ministered to, and it's impacting her heart. Okay? And then now the disciples show up, and I'll reread this part again. He says, just then, uh, his disciples returned, and we're surprised to find him talking with a woman. Now we know why they were surprised. Because Samaritans and Jews just didn't associate with each other. Okay? But Jesus, he's redefining some things. He's changing culture up here. All right, he's he's bringing something. He's restoring something back together. Okay, but no one asked. What do you want, or why are you talking with her? I think it's kind of funny how, how uh, uh, John uh, writes this letter and he he mentions something that wasn't done. Okay, he says no one asked. No one asked. What are you doing, or why why is she talking to you? So to me, I think there's a key point, and you can see where, where, where something's being changed for the first time in history, okay? Because you know it was in them. You know that they were, the disciples were thinking that, but they just didn't have the courage to talk about it. Maybe they should have asked, Jesus, what are you doing? Maybe they would have gotten a teaching out of that as well too. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Pause there. There was a moment where Jesus got into her personal life and says, Hey, come back with your husband. She says, Well, I I I have no husband. And Jesus says, That's right. You're divorced five times, and the man you're living with right now is you're not even married to. And you gotta understand what Jesus is doing here. He's not condemning her. Okay? He's revealing himself to her and saying, Hey, I know you more than you know yourself. Okay I know you more than you know yourself verse 29 come see a man who told me everything I ever did could this be the messiah the lady says they came out of the town and made their way toward him I'm going to pause there for a second Who's ever been? I mean, okay. So let, let me let me backtrack on that one. When I first came to Christ, I was so excited. I just started sharing sharing uh, Jesus. That whole week, I shared about Jesus. I was so excited. I was gonna wake up the town like this woman was waking up the town. And I remember getting people uh, 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 to commit and say, "Hey, I'll go with you next Sunday to church." I remember that. And I remember at the time, my wife and I were just we were just dating. And uh, I had had said to my in-laws at the time, they were just my girlfriend's parents. But to to my in-laws, I said, are you guys coming to church? And they said, yes, we will. Sunday morning arrives. I pull up into their driveway. It's like 930. Like, all right, let's do this. And they're sleeping. (laughs) Ah, are my in-laws here? No, they're not here. Okay. (laughs) And they're sleeping. Don't tell them I told you this story. No joke. I was so passionate. I wasn't angry. I was determined. Is that the right word? I was determined. A boyfriend, remember, a high school boyfriend, we're not married yet, okay? Barges into their room, opens the door, and they're laying in bed. I get on the bed and I start jumping on their bed. I said, You said you were going to church. You said you were going to church. <laughs> Ask them. I am not, this is, I'm not over exaggerating. And they, I remember my mother-in-law looking at me. What what are you doing? (laughs) I said, You said you would go to church. And she said, Fine. (laughs) And they get out of bed and they come. And that day, my mother-in-law, with the rest of my family and my mom, all accept Christ that day. This woman, you go back to the scripture, and Jesus. Revealed himself to her the way Jesus revealed himself to me. And this woman, uh, verse 29, I guess, says, come and see who told me everything I ever did. Could this be this Messiah? The, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. There is just something about Jesus, the moment it catches, that draws people to him. And I was I was not going to, to, to I was not gonna allow my family and friends to go the other way. There was just something that was compelling me to do that. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, teacher, eat something. But he said to them, I have food food to eat that you know nothing about. He's talking about eternal things now. Verse 33. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? And what Jesus is meaning there is, is, don't you have a habit or sometimes you say, well, we can harvest that later? Do we ever uh, uh, look at someone knowing that, man, they need Christ, we'll, we'll, we'll get to them later? Jesus is calling something out to the disciples. Don't you have a saying, you'll harvest that later or four months later? Then check this verse out. I tell you, open your eyes. Everyone say, open your eyes. eyes. And look at the fields, Jesus says. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. I truly believe if Jesus was here physically, he would look at you guys and say the same thing. Hey, look around you. Look at the city of Holland. They are ready for a savior. They are ready for truth. They are ready to be uh, set free. See, God wants us to look at people the way Christ has been looking at people, the way he looks at people. Okay, He looks at it in a perspective of, hey, there's potential, there's hope. Just explain and share truth. But why the urgency? Why why do we have to do this as, as children of God? Understand this, church, you can't reach what you can't see. You can't love what you can't see. I'll say that again. You can't reach what you can't see. You can't love what you can't see. And right now, Jesus is saying, open your eyes. Open your eyes to around you. There are so many people that are reachable. And Jesus wants us to not look at just our own interests, but the interests of others. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I'll pause there. So many times we disqualify ourselves because, well, I, I just keep messing up and I, I, I'm not capable of doing it. Maybe I'll get a pastor to do it. Or maybe I'll get that person. They've been a believer for 30 years. They can do it. But the scripture just told us his divine power has given all right, I say given again, it's free, has been given to us everything we need for a godly life. So we should not be disqualifying ourselves. And it's through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We need to add to our faith his knowledge and his goodness. And when we add to our faith his knowledge and his goodness, what happens is we grow Okay, We grow into maturity. Now, a lot of times we, we, we think we have to get perfect in life and with no mistakes. No, God never called that to us. It is through our mistakes, it is through failures that, that, that we learn. Little rabbit trail. A failure is not a person. A failure is an event. So when you think you're a failure or I failed at this, that is wrong perspective. That is not God. A failure is an event that we can move on from and say, okay, next, let's move forward. It is not a person. And the reason why God wants us to get a hold of and open our eyes is because God wants you to be effective and productive in your earthly life right now. You see, just coming to Christ and saying, okay, got my fire insurance, I ain't going to hell, I'm going to heaven, it doesn't cut it. Okay? Because he wants you to be productive and effective with the people that are around you. I was taught one time, what's better than going to heaven? And I thought about it for a second. I'm like, what what is better than going to heaven? I I don't know. He said, taking your family and friends with you, that's better than just you going by yourself. What's worse than going to hell? Taking your family and friends with you. It's a thought that really resonated in me over the years. And I've realized, man, I got to be productive. I got to be effective in my earthly life right now. And if it meant I'm going to jump in my parents' bed, I'm going to jump in my parents' bed. (laughs) Don't do that. You don't say my pastor said it's okay. Don't don't do that. (laughs) But what I am saying is this. God wants you to be effective and productive. And the way to do it is to get to know him and his goodness. And when that resonates in you, it it, it just comes out of you. Understand that we, church, don't exist for the people that are already here, the church. We don't exist for each other. Okay, we exist for the people that are not here yet, the unchurched. That's why we are here on this earth. We exist for the people that are not here yet. Jesus said it is the sick that need a doctor. The healthy, they're fine. But the sick need a doctor. Guess what? I'm their doctor, Jesus says. I'm their hope. I'm their medicine. I am the one that will set them free and heal them. I am the one. You see, a lot of times religion would always attack Jesus on that part. Only if he knew who he was sitting with. Only if he knew who he was eating with. Only if he knew who's hosting him at his house. (laughs) Religion just kept pointing, pointing, pointing. And I love it because the whole time, if you read scripture carefully, you'll see that these Pharisees, uh, religious leaders, they always thought it. And then scripture would say, Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts. Which, to me, I truly believe, and I'm going to say this with confidence, that religion, religious leaders that, that, that say it's not through Christ, but it's through a law mentality, I believe that's cowardly. Because they couldn't even speak it out. But Jesus, the good shepherd that he is, spoke and called it out. He called it out, and then he corrected it. You see, he didn't go against those people, the Pharisees, in a way of, uh, I'm attacking you back. He came with teachable moments. They just didn't want to receive it. And he would correct them because he still loved them. You see, uh, when, we're, when we understand that we exist as a church for the unchurch, now we see, okay, there is a purpose. Now I know why I'm here. It really doesn't have to do with the job that I'm working in right now. It has to do with the people at my job that I'm working with. And we have this understanding, oh, now I see why God has called us to be fishers of men. So I need to cast my reel and reel them in for Christ, and he'll do the rest. And when we have that understanding, now, we will, now we'll get up 430 in the morning and say, okay, clock in, time to do some work. My biggest ministry, my most memorable ministry Honestly, don't get me wrong, I love what I do, but right here, platform, microphone, lights that just I'm always sweating with, it's, this is not it. It's when I have this off, this off, and I put my hands, and I'm getting dirty with somebody, and we're talking, and I'm just getting to know them. And I just want a one-on-one conversation with them. That's when I know God is good, because I'm speaking to unchurched. And what God tells me to do here on platform is to equip the saints according to Ephesians. And you guys, you guys are the saints, not the New Orleans saints. You guys are just the saints, <laughs> the army of God. And what I want to do is make sure you guys have that tool, that weapon in your hand so you can continue on your journey, your path, and do impact for his kingdom of God. Be effective, be, be, be a, a, a good knowledge and faith in his, for his kingdom of, of God. But the one thing we need to be careful with is the gravitational pull of ourself, of selfishness. Because it is a gravitational pull. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. It's hard sometimes to just to not to think about ourselves because sometimes we just always want to think about ourselves. Or is that just me? You see, when I, when I, when I look at it through God's perspective, I, have, I think about my wife and my children and the church and their well-being and their interests. And, and I'm willing to do the sacrifice. But there are moments where you're like, ah, but what about me, God? And God said, did I call you to that? No, it's a gravitational pull. Turn away right now. And good check it moment for our hearts. But we need to be careful with the gravitational pull of selfishness. We don't just exist for the people here, but again, the people that are not here yet. And no perfect time than Christmas time. The next week at 11 a.m., okay? Okay. Now, there are four things you need, to, uh, you need to have or understand to be productive and to be impactive in your life. In other words, to open your eyes, okay? And I'm going to go through these pretty briefly. I'll slow down for you guys, but I want you guys to have a grasp of this, okay? Number one, to be effective in your life and productive, first, you need to accept the personal responsibility, Accept the personal responsibility that you have been called to the great commission. What is the great commission? Share the good news about Jesus Christ without shame, without fear, but just go in and say, hey, you know what? My life, I'm going I'm to just make sure that people know I gave to Christ. My words, I'm going to follow the guidelines according to his word and make sure I, I, I give life with my words because there is power in that. Accepting the personal responsibility. In other words, God has a plan. We all hear that, but we don't hear this part. You are it. You are the plan. You know, there are times where we're like, oh, man, God, you know, I know there's a plan for my life, and I don't know why I'm going through this, and I don't know why I'm working with this person, and I don't know why I'm taking this shift right here, and I don't know why they have to be my cousin. You know, I don't know why. (laughs) I know you have a plan for them in their life, God, and we Christianize it. You, and I pray for them, Lord. I pray for all of those heathens over there that you have a plan. But, Lord, get me out because I want to do your will. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Am I stepping on toes right now? <laughs> Just saying. And what God is saying is like, oh, man, <laughs> guess what? I do have a plan for them, and you're the plan. You're it. I put you there. Because I, my plan needs to be executed. Yes. Accept the personal responsibility that there is a mission in your hand as a believer of Jesus Christ with the people around you. Don't believe me? You always back it up with scripture. Jesus carried this out to the world, okay? Luke nineteen ten. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For Jesus Christ came into this world to seek, look, and save those that are lost. And Ephesians 5 wants to imitate Christ in everything you do as dearly beloved children. So that means if Luke nineteen ten says, for the Son of Man, Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost, then guess what? You're supposed to imitate that. You are here as a light to come and seek And save those who are lost and lead them to Christ. Don't believe me again? Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. And in the same way, let your light shine before others. Everyone say before others. Not in your house. Not by yourself. Not with your small group. But before the world that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, your good deeds, because the fruit of righteousness is being produced out of you, because when you should be angry and hold a grudge against that person, but you've re- you decided to just release them and say, you know what, it's not okay what you did, but I forgive you. Those good deeds are going to be seen by the world, and those wor- the world's going to say, whoa, what is that? Why didn't you? And you get to open a door to minister, and guess what they're going to do? Glorify their Father. They're going to glorify their father. Matthew 16, 15 says, and then he told them, go into the world, Jesus, okay? Go into the world, all the world, and preach the good news to everyone. It's up there. Everyone. And that's Jesus giving us the great commission. Acts 1, 8. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect. Pause for a second. Your story, your testimony has power already. You see, the moment you came to Christ, the spirit of God dwells within you now. Those times where you feel like, I don't know what to say. I don't, know, I don't know what verse and what chapter and what book that is in. Just share your story. And when you share your story, when you share your story, no one can argue it. Because it is your written story by God. Continue on. To the people of all Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, about my death and my resurrection. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says this, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, Paul says, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. He finds where i missed it. In other words, there are times where I missed it. And when someone says, hey, I've missed it in this area, guess what, I get to share what God is doing in my life. And how I found that common ground. And the whole purpose of that mistake or failure that I've gone through ministers to that person and says, oh, there's still hope? Yes, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. I love that. We are Christ's ambassadors. In other words, you are his messenger. You have been commissioned. You are representing Christ here on earth while he represents you up there. You know, there are times where, I, again, I have four children. And there are times where one of my siblings, or not siblings, that's wrong. One of my children are just not cooperating, and i told them three times. So I'll send one of my other kids and say, hey, go tell them to do such and such. Tell them that daddy said. Man, the moment I say daddy says, yes, daddy, I'm on it. And they go after it. And they say, daddy said, and then whatever it is. Daddy said. But, and if they don't do it, but daddy said, and I think he's going to give you spanking now. And they just go, they use the name. They understand, oh, there's authority. The, and I didn't say that. But the moment, the moment that, that that card comes out of the authority of the parent, they're going to use that. And they know, look, I'm representing daddy right now. So I have the authority to spank you and spank you and spank you because I got daddy's authority. Understand, not talk about spankings, but understand that here on earth, he calls you an ambassador. And he's giving you the authority. And so when the enemy gets hold of something in an area of your life, you said no. Because in the name of Jesus Christ, you will not touch. In the name of Jesus Christ, sickness you will get off. In the name of Jesus Christ, I can do it. He's giving you all authority, all of the right. We are Christ ambassadors, again, 2 Corinthians 5.20. God is using us to speak, everyone say speak, to you. So we beg you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you. Receive the power he offers you. Be reconciled, okay, to God. The whole purpose, be reconciled. Understand that there is a gap between mankind and God, and the only way to bridge that gap, in a sense, is through his son, Jesus Christ, because Jesus has built that bridge. He has filled that gap. Did you guys know, did you know that hell is not a place God sends people? I'm going to clarify that. It is not a place that God sends people. It's a place that people choose to go to pay for their own sin. It was never meant for them. But because they don't want to take what was already paid for, they are choosing to pay for it themselves. But they don't have to. That is the good news. They don't have to. It's been paid for. It's been paid for. And God has entrusted us to give this message to the people. He's entrusted us to give that message to the people. And a lot of times we don't, we don't acknowledge that, we don't really talk about it, but it's there, it's real. Ezekiel 33.6 says this, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, okay, think about that for a second. If the sword comes and we don't warn them and it comes and it takes their life, that person's life, will be taken because of their sin. We see them dying, yet we need to share that good news and give them that hope and lead them to Christ so they don't die in their sin anymore. It says that person's life will be taken because of their sin, but, and this is where I'm gonna emphasize, but I will hold the watchmen, (laughs) Uh uh-oh, I will hold the watchmen accountable for their blood. We don't talk about that a lot. I'm gonna talk about it. There is a responsibility that we have here as a church. This group, this body here, you're here on Sunday to get equipped and get ready to go out there. We're here to pray with each other, pray for one another. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't need prayer. We will go up to the prayer partner and says pray for us because we understand that we are here to sharpen one another. And then we go to the world. (laughs) A lot of times that that verse is not uh, pretty popular. It's not one of those refrigerator verses that you just put up there and memorize. It's because it's real and it's true that there is a dying and hurting world that people around us that we know need Jesus. I think it's funny when people say, well, they need Jesus, you know, they'll just keep going. You're right, they need Jesus. Go tell them about it. I don't know how, but just go tell them about it. However God leads you on that, which actually leads us to our second point. This is how you do it. Develop a personal relationship with the people. That key word is develop. A personal relationship with the people. Because honestly, they don't care that you know, they just want to know that you care, that you care for them. Then once you love them, point three, share your personal story, your testimony. Share your testimony of what God's doing. Look, seek for those opportunities to share your personal story. Because God didn't tell us to go tell the world what's wrong with them. God told us to go share our side of the story and share what he's doing in our life. That is called a witness. Can I get a witness? (laughs) When you share what God is doing in your part of the story of the kingdom of God, you are being a witness for him. Our message is not, you're going to hell. But can I tell you, what God has been doing in my life. Can I just show you and I know the pain you're going I know you lost them and I've lost somebody but let me share, share with you what God's been doing with me throughout the year or the six months or this whole week or the last five years. Let me share what God has been doing and how faithful he is even though when you don't see things go the way you want it to go. Seek those opportunities. A lot of times we stop there. We think, well, we shared the story. I love them. We've done everything we can. Glory to God. No, 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 no. There's a stamp, a seal at the end. And our last point, and my favorite one, give a personal invitation. A personal invitation to Jesus Christ. If you don't know how to invite someone to Christ, then invite them to church. Invite them here. When you lead someone, you walk hand in hand with them. I praise God. I had people come in my life. As soon as I came to Christ, they walked hand in hand with me through stuff. And it's so good to continue to have that. Now, why the push to do all this? I said it earlier. I believe it's the perfect time, perfect season for people to hear about the story of Jesus. And selfishness is gonna do everything it can to pull you in but you walk out. There are people in our life right now that we know that need to know Jesus. Don't discard it. Don't push it to the side. There is a mission. I'm gonna end it with this story here. Two years ago, true story. Two years ago, it was probably a Wednesday. I'm on the north side of town and I dropped my kids off of school. It's a cold day, windy day, right before the snow came, cold I went to West Coast Gas Station off of Lakewood, I believe it is. I needed to put some gas. And I pulled in and I saw a man, no jacket, just sweats and a light sweater. And he was frantic. And when I mean is frantic, he was just, just kept doing this, looking on the ground everywhere, everywhere. And I saw him and I'm gonna be honest with you. Selfishness—the poll started coming. Yeah, he probably just lost something. But at the same time, while selfishness is pulling, the Spirit of God was talking, and He was saying, "I need you to go talk to him." So I did. I fought it for a second, to be honest with you, but I did. I said, "Hey, what are you looking for?" It's like I lost a dollar. I don't know where that dollar went. Where's the dollar at? And I knew at that moment, he's probably not in the best position right now. I had $3 in my wallet. And this is not to boast by myself, this is going somewhere. I pulled it out, I said, here. I already knew what he was gonna spend it on. I didn't care. I said, here. And he looked at me, he said, thank you, thank you so much. So then I started talking to him. I knew he was gonna go inside and get his stuff. <laughs> and I said, hey, do you need a ride? He said, yeah, I do. So I said, okay, come on, go get your stuff and then I'll take you wherever you gotta go. He took two steps to the gas station door and he stopped. This gets me emotional, by the way. He turned around and he said, nah, I don't need it. I said, are you hungry? He said, yeah. <laughs> Confession, we went to McDonald's <laughs> two years ago. We went to I drove him all the way from the north side to the south side here and we sat down and we ate said, hey, what's your name? He said, Ben. We talked. We're, we were the same age. Actually, he went to a different school, and um, I went to another school. He played in the football team. I played on the football team. We found out we played against each other. We were in the same field. You know, he we went to college, full scholarship, the works, pursuing the NFL. Probably six foot, no, not six foot, sorry. Um, yeah, six foot five, six foot five guy. Played tight end, big guy, but I could see he was hurting. I said, What happened? He said, Drugs. And I said, Now what's happening now? He says, I don't know. And then anger came out. All my friends, they went to Louis Delmas, who played for the NFL, Jenkins, who played for the Green Bay Packers. I was their roommate. And some of you men know who I'm talking about right now. They were my roommates. And they got to go and I didn't. Now I'm stuck here looking for work when I know I have the talent. And I could see the anger in him. We were done eating. We started driving around town. I took him to this place that he wanted to go. It was a a house. He was staying on the floor with somebody. And I knew, I knew the personal invitation needed to come. I didn't know how, but I knew it. And after just talking for him for about 10 minutes, I was on the corner of 17th and Columbia. There's a a, a store. And then there's a Mexican store called Mi Favoritas. You guys know where I'm at? We're in my van on the corner. What you guys don't know is that's the road I grew up on, where all the gang violence was at. God plants me in that corner of where I grew up on. Where all the gangs would, would, would do their thing. There, Where I was afraid as a kid I had to stay in my backyard because of what the violence was going on. Then I grew up and I was hanging with some of that violence. God put me right back in that spot. And it reminded me, you are brand new. I said, Ben, I'm never going to see you again. He says, yeah, you will. I said, no, I won't. Ben, I need to share something with you. He said, okay. And I gave him the news about Jesus. And he said, you fed me. You gave me money. I even gave him my jacket because he was cold. You gave me my, your jacket. Why? I said, because you need to know that God loves you and I love you. And I gave him the invitation. <laughs> the neighborhood I grew up on guess what he accepted Christ he accepted Christ because I took time I didn't judge I could care less what he spent that money on I took time to someone that was hurting and had no hope in the future nobody was like he had no friends he didn't know where to go. His family kicked him out of his house. He had nothing. I never saw Ben again. I just knew it. But I thank God for that one opportunity, that one moment in the cold, out of my convenience, to spend an hour with somebody. And at the end, lead them to Jesus Christ. Share your story, church. Develop a relationship, church. Accept the responsibility, but seal it with a personal invitation. You have the power. You have the authority. You have the word hidden in your heart already. You can do it. Church, I charge you. I empower you, especially this season right now. There are people, and I'm not saying go boom, lock and shove the word in people's throats. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. Care for somebody. And let them know they are loved. That's it. Let, the, let God work through you the rest and take that time. I'll close it with this one saying. We're always one conversation away from a change of eternity in someone else's life. One conversation away. It's in your hands, in your hands, in your hands, in your hands. Let's bow our head and pray. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for an opportunity of your word and, your, and, and just what you've just invested in me and, and in this, this church, Father. Lord, I thank you right now, the Holy Spirit, that you are resonating in our hearts. I know there are images and names that are going through our heads right now, Father, of who we need to reach. Help us, Holy Spirit. Now I got two invitations for you guys. Maybe, maybe this is the first time you heard of Jesus and didn't realize, wow, this is what I have in freedom of Christ. And you never accepted Christ the way you should have according to, uh, um, uh, ah, forgot the scripture. <laughs> but what his word does say, Romans 10, nine, there you go. If you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord and savior, you will be saved. And maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I know the church stuff. I do go to church. I am a a believer, but man, I really haven't been giving it all to God. I've been kind of doing my things during the week. And then I come back on Sunday and I do my routine, but then I kind of do, and I let let circumstances beat me up. Here's your second, that's your second invitation. On any of those invitations, with all all, all eyes closed and head bowed, I want you to shoot your hand up. One, I want Jesus. Two, I need Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up. Today's a brand new day. God bless you. God bless you. It's a brand new day. Now, here's a third invitation. You've been on neutral. You are a believer. You know his word. You live for him. You're devoted to him. But man, you shy away from sharing what you have. All Eyes closed. On the count of three, shoot your hand up. One, two, three. God bless you. We're going to do this as a church family. Let's all put our hand over our heart. Let's believe with our with our other church family members here. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I believe in you and I love you. Lord, come into my heart. Fill me. I believe in the Holy Spirit and I know you're making a home in me right now. Forgive me of all my sins take total control of my life I love you Jesus empower me to speak your word to speak your truth and to share my story that all glory go to our heavenly father in Jesus name we pray